Oh my God. I, I just had a great idea. She could come to the party tomorrow and read Gwen's lips for me. What? We bring her to the party and she tells me what Gwen is saying about me. She's not a novelty act, George. But I don't want to be a secondary character. Happy New Year, folks! Happy well, Newmanium! Happy Newmanium! Well, it's technically not the new uh, the new decade. Newmanium plus twenty years. Plus twenty years, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Well, Close apparently, enough. it's not the new decade. They say in twenty twenty one it'll be the new decade. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's kind of. I remember when uh, year two thousand happened. It was well. It's not technically the new millennium until yeah. two thousand and one, and yeah. blah blah blah. But it's like let us have our fun. And that's what you know? Jerry says in the millennium. Jerry goes to Newman. You know, the new millennium is yeah, two thousand and one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, considering all the Y two K hype. Yeah. Let us just have our new uh, millennium in 2000. That's it. Let's not add another year of anxiety about computers shutting down the world. So Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And this is But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, and we are back for 2020. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And yeah, we hope you had a wonderful last couple of weeks with Festivus and New Year's celebrations, Hanukkah and Christmas, whatever it is you celebrate, wherever you are listening in the world. And uh, yeah, we thought that we would start this year off with a Season 5 episode, Episode 6, The Lip Reader, Stephen. Yeah, great episode. Yeah, I liked it, yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen this one in a while, mm. and uh, it was really, really good. Yeah, I'm uh, Excell- really looking yep. forward to this one. Yeah, excellent performances by uh, Marley Matlin. Yep. Yeah, very, very good performance by her. She plays uh, Laura. That's one of the characters we are talking about today, and uh, a couple other characters as well. Um, I got some notes on the driver. So the one who, you know, goes to the Metallica concert. Metalla something. Metalla something. Ka? Ka? Ha? Ha? Ka? Ka? Ah. And also um, Jerry's episode girlfriend or ex-girlfriend Gwen and uh, their mutual friend Todd, who's at the party. Yeah, I've got notes on all of those characters, and I've just got a couple on the uh, petulant ball boy who's uh, giving shit to Kramer. Oh, yeah. But gets shown up. <laughs> That's right. very satisfying. You know the trial is three and a half to four hours. You can keep up, old man. <laughs> oh, I can keep up, punk. <laughs> I can keep up, punk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, we're on social media at bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. Uh, whether you have searched for Seinfeld on your podcast app in 2020 and you're like, oh, Seinfeld, this is interesting, and this is your first one, or you've been with us since day one, or anything in between. Welcome, and uh, thanks for your support. That's right, and if you want to continue supporting us, you can uh, do so financially. You can head to our Patreon. Uh, uh, the link is in the show notes, and uh, for as little as two bucks a month, you get access to episodes a week early, uh, as well as exclusive access to our chronological exploration of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Curbcast. That's right, and later on this month, we are talking doing a season 11, so the follow-up to season 10. That's releasing on the 27th of January, so everyone will get episode one for free, uh, but episodes two to well, eight to ten, depending on how we go with the writing. Yeah, two um, to question mark. Two to 8,000. Yeah. Um, if we have 8,000 ideas, they will be exclusive to Patreon. But anyway, all those details are in the show notes. We won't go any further and spruik to you. Uh, so before we get into the lip reader, Stephen, Seinfeld-isms, mate. I actually have one for the first time in a few weeks. Oh, nice. Yes. Our new dog, his name is Butters. He is a, well, for the Americans, he is a cockapoo, so like a cocker spaniel mixed with a poodle. Um, to Australians, they're called spoodles, apparently. Yeah. You can uh, uh, imagine an immature teenager coming up with that name and just yeah. giggling and being so satisfied, like, ah, cock and poo. Do you reckon ah. someone at the American Kennel Association was coming through names and they're like, oh, cockapoo? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, they're like, cockapoo, Yeah, cock-a-poo. even yeah. the most mature 
you know, conventional person would have a giggle at that for sure. <laughs> Hopefully. I'd really Hopefully. like to think so. Anyway, well, the point is, um, so my dog, um, he's 12 weeks old. He is a sidler, Stephen. He's like that guy in the Merv Griffin show, oh, the sidler. Okay. Sometimes, like, I'd turn around and he'd be right next to me on my feet. And sometimes, I, you know, I stepped on him a couple of times by accident. It's like, oh, it's butters. Get out yep. of the way. You know, so he's a sidler. And, we, and unfortunately, we didn't have any Tic Tacs in the pantry, so I couldn't <laughs> attach him to his collar. Um, but we got him a bell. So every time uh, I hear him coming, he uh, the bell rings, and I'm like, how, "Oh, how big is the bell?" Oh, it's could like you, a little. You... It's a cat from a cat collar. Okay, it's like one of those tiny silver bells. I reckon you could stick a couple of tic tacs in there. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, because sometimes they've got the little openings. You can yeah, 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 Maybe yeah. slip some maybe some small off. things in there that will act as tic tacs. But the actual bell thing inside works pretty okay. well, and you hear him. It's like ring, ring, ring. It sounds like a sleigh bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so that stops the sidling from okay. occurring. That's yeah. a pretty good Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, I have none. But <gasps> oh. speaking of Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, first time in a while. Oh, wow. Uh, I have a Facebook group, and uh, over the last month, it's exploded. You have belief. how many members now? Uh, nearly 12,500. So, Whoa, late November, early December, I think it was around 5,000. Yeah. And it was just steadily growing, and posts were increasing and stuff. But I don't know what happened, but as of the first week of December, I've gotten nearly 6,000, nearly 7,000 new members. Yeah. And I'm getting 500 to 750 a day. It's Requests, insane. Yeah. And we're uh, getting more people listening to the podcast in tandem as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is which is really cool. So yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's just Seinfeld karma being repaid back, uh, you know, because of us doing the podcast. No idea. Yeah. But if you've joined or if you want to join, uh, yeah, do so. And uh, like I said, if you have joined, thank you. Yeah, it's Seinfeldisms. That's yeah. The post, the just page, type it yeah. in on Facebook and there is a link in the show notes as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, just wanted to mention that in Seinfeldisms. And uh, yeah, it's it's awesome to see. Yeah. My, my partner keeps going, babe, I'm really proud of you. You know, you, you know, you're doing a lot. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I just, <laughs> I created a group and I literally do zero. I'm and using people just someone. Join. Yeah. I'm using someone else's IP. Yeah, I'm not even paying for it. <laughs> it's not even my original no, intellectual property. The only, the only, the only effort I've put in is spending 10 minutes creating the group. Yeah. Making a really bad Photoshop logo and putting a post up occasionally. And I think I've had to moderate five or 10 posts, you know, just dumb shit that people post. It sounds like you need admins. Maybe. You probably well, need no, a recruit nothing, one or two. No, not really. No, I mean, really. I've only had maybe five uh, reported comments and posts and it's a couple of times it was spam. Yeah. A couple of times it was people just being jerks. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, I just delete them and, and, and get rid of the users. I just have a zero tolerance policy. Yeah. But other than that, it's been been bloody awesome. Yeah. So really yeah, cool. thanks again if you've joined and uh, yeah, if you're thinking about it, join up. And that's your Seinfeldism about Seinfeldism. Yeah. The name. A meta Seinfeldism. A meta Seinfeldism. Yeah. Anyway, Seinfeld news, mate. So uh, what's happened over the last couple of weeks in the world of Seinfeld? Yeah. Been a quiet holiday, well, I should say Festivus and New Year's, or I should say Newmanian period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one cool thing though is I didn't get a date, but uh, I think it was in late December. Jerry and Jessica Seinfeld uh, celebrated their twentieth wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations! Which is really nice. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. uh, and the second bit of news I had is that recently, uh, on December twelfth, actually, and I didn't pick this up when we recorded an episode uh, before before uh, Festivus. But uh, there was a game, a basketball game played by the Spurs, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, and I think the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, and the score of that game was 117 to 109. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland won the game. And that was actually predicted by Jerry. He writes a basketball score down in the heart attack. The heart attack. That's right. And he yeah. gives it a talk. Uh, he gives the, well, it's like, 
undecipherable language that he yeah. writes down, and then he gives it to Tor Ekman, the mm. uh, naturopath, and then yep. he goes, "Yeah, it Spurs, whatever the score was." Yeah, and, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so in 1992, when did that episode? 91, come out? 91, 92. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah season, so. it's a season. Season two, two so probably 90, 91. 91. Yeah, 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 I guess 91. Yeah, uh, they predicted a game that happened 28 years, more well, nearly 30 years later. Yeah, which is uh, pretty freaky. Very freaky. Yeah, it so was bound to happen eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so that's it. That's really all the cool. Seinfeldisms that's happened over the last couple of weeks. I searched high and low, oh couldn't God. find much. That is fantastic. But I think this year is going to be, uh, you know, the year of Seinfeld. I think so, sure. too. Oh, I mean, it has been for the last few years, but... Uh, it's going to be th- even bigger now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jason Alexander's tour is coming up in Australia. I think that'll cause a bit of a, you know, uh, a lot of people to revisit Seinfeld. And- We've got to try and interview him. Yeah. What do you think? Should yeah, yeah? I, th- I think I think so. Yeah, Just if he wants to talk it- to us. Well, it's it's worth getting in touch with the press contact. Well, you're good at all that stuff. Yeah. I'll you. <laughs> I think so. This week we are doing the lip reader, as I mentioned at the start, season five, episode six. So for this episode first aired in the US on October twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three, directed by Tom Sherones, written by Carol Leifer. I like her episodes that she writes. Yeah. Really good ones, yeah. No, this this episode was really tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a really good. Everything writer. made sense. Yeah. Uh the concurrent storylines lined up nicely at the end when Laura jumped in the cab yeah, yeah, with yeah, the driver yeah. and yeah, no, really, really well written. Yeah, really Really well done. Um, Jerry dates an attractive tennis lines woman only to discover that she's hearing impaired. Her name is Laura and she's Bingo. Bingo. (laughs) I'm deaf. Uh, played by Marley Matlin, uh, but she but she's able to read lips. George gets caught acting like a slob on live television at the tennis match. Hey, buddy, they got a new invention. It's called a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets dumped, so he tries to use the lip reader to spy on his girlfriend, Gwyn, played by Linda Cash, to see if she's telling the truth. Kramer tries to prove that he can read lips as well as Jerry's girlfriend, while Elaine accidentally offends a limo driver, Christopher Darga, and tries to make up for it, but the plan backfires. Um, other secondary characters, Newman makes an appearance in one very small cameo. <laughs> Can I borrow her just for, you know, I think... Give me two hours. Give me two hours. Not going to happen, Newman. Not going to happen. Okay. When you control the mail, you control information. Yeah, that's the soundbite we use when we get some uh, listener mail. Yeah, we haven't had any in a while, so, you know. Yeah. If you want to listen to that soundbite, send us emails. <laughs> um, also, Todd, he's played by Jerry Sroker. He's the man at the party, uh, George and Gwen's mutual friend. Uh, Verilyn Jones plays Elaine's co-worker, Renee. Uh, Dylan Taggarty plays the young man at the ball boy uh, trial, the one that you uh, said antagonizes The obnoxious Kramer. ball boy. Yes, that's right. And off screen, but with no voice credits or nothing, it's actually a very small mention. Uh, Morty Seinfeld makes an appearance. Jerry gets a call from him. Oh, yeah. Remember? Uh, mm. Because he says that he saw George on the TV, but we don't hear him on the phone or see him. No. So, yeah. Jerry talks to him. That's right, but it's implied he's he's there. And uh, did you mention Larry David? No, not yet. Okay, he does... Oh, were you going to? Oh, no, no, but I was going to say Larry does some voice work, I think. Yeah, he does the the, the, the dispatcher. Stuff. Yeah, the dispatcher. The driver when he mentions Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I that's love Larry David. Tom Hanks. Yeah. I guess the oh, hearing guess... goes in and out with you, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see... Uh, you know, someone call them out for their immorality. It's yeah, kind of satisfying. It's good because yeah. most of the time they get away with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but this driver, just, yeah. someone's just like, no, that's 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 terrible behavior, yeah, and I'm going right. to tell you. Yeah, I like I like the driver. He yeah, was he's fun. cool. He was fun. He's funny. Called it like it was. Anyway, bit of trivia about the lip reader. Um, Monica Sellis, she herself, she was actually approached to appear in the final scene where Kramer runs into her, but she turned it down, and they offered the role to a stunt woman. And I think in this period, Monica Sellis. I think it was something on the lines of a year or two prior, she was stabbed, I it think, by a crazy It was about six months fan. prior. Six months prior? She was stabbed, yeah. wasn't she, by some crazy... Yeah, I remember by, seeing by it. By some stan, yeah? Uh, yeah, I remember seeing yeah. it. I think it was during Wimbledon. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was... 
yeah, she was playing a match and someone uh, came out her. of the stands yeah. and stabbed her uh, while she was playing. Yeah, isn't that insane? Yeah, it's yeah. it's absolutely wild. Yeah. I remember seeing it, not live, but maybe, I, I think because at that time a lot of sports, this was a time before sports was broadcast live anywhere, everywhere. Yeah. You know, we'd get like a lot of late night tapings and stuff. And I remember being a kid, I think that was, what, 93, 94? Yeah. So I would have been about 9 or 10. I remember seeing it maybe the day after it happened. Sure. And I didn't fully grasp what was going on, but I knew it was just a crazy situation. Something was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I remember, because I used to love watching tennis, and I remember it took Monica Sellis maybe two years to fully physically and psychologically and emotionally recover, and she came back. And I think the first tournament she came back in, she won. Yeah. And she became the number one tennis player, like, really quickly. So it was really, like, vindicating for her and probably her fans as well. Oh, yeah, To see a, you know literally take such a blow yeah. and then come back and just dominate. And then really Kramer cool. ruins it as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally, the first match she comes back from and Kramer ruins it yeah, yeah. in the Seinfeld universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's in funny. the parallel Seinfeld universe. Yeah, that's right. Luckily, Kramer, luckily yeah. we don't have someone as... Uh, goofy and you know awkward as Kramer in this universe. No, luckily. Well, I'm sure. Well, they many. wouldn't. They wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't pass for a ball man. No, so they, wouldn't <laughs> oh, get, ball they wouldn't get to that stage. It's ball boy, ball boy, <laughs> not ball man. Do you remember? I, I think yeah. I've mentioned it when uh, this just came to mind. When yeah. Pete Sampras, uh, it was sort of towards the end of his career. He was hitting a ball and someone returned his shot and he slipped backwards and he was on his ass and. That happened before the ball returned to his side of the court, and it went. The ball went up his shorts. You talked about this in our comeback episode. Yeah, the comeback. yeah, yeah. and yeah, it went yeah, directly yeah. into his shorts. And, and he the made ball, the ball boy try and get it. Yeah, the yeah, ball boy. Yeah, you mentioned of, this. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the ball. He thought the ball would bounce out. Yeah, because Pete Sampras is on his butt. Yeah, the yeah. ball boy just reacted and ran towards where the, he thought the ball would go, but it went up his shorts. Yeah, and Pete Sampras was seriously trying to get him to get it out of his shorts, and the ball boy was like, "No." Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to get the balls, but not those balls. <laughs> <laughs> not the third ball. Wrong. Balls, yeah, no, no, not the other two balls. No, yeah, sorry, and man. it was just so, so, so arrogant. Yeah, I remember you. You oh, were waxing lyrical about that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah I mean, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, anyway, do you have any other trivia for the loop reader? Uh, yeah, just one. So it, uh, we mentioned Carolifa before. Who wrote it? It's the first script produced by her, mm, and yeah, uh, yeah. it's inspired by um, something that used to happen to her. So before she was a writer, she used to be stand up in New York, and she used to between late night sets, uh, she'd always pretend to um well she hate being talked to by the drivers by the cabbies and stuff and uh she used to uh read magazines and have her headphones on to avoid conversation ah. so that inspired elaine's storyline in this episode yeah i don't think she ever pretended she was deaf no no she just didn't want to talk to them no she yeah. just wanted to avoid conversation and would do what she needed to do to do so nice so yeah, yeah really cool i and like that, that. Yeah, me, yeah that's awesome and uh, and that scene where they asked laura to eavesdrop on gwen um the script originally called for jerry and george to speak from the sides of their mouths mm. so she couldn't read the lips but you know how they put the napkin on the mouths and then the cup and then they hide their mouth under all the different things in the restaurant that was all improvised by jerry and jason yeah no yeah. it's really good it, yeah, it, yeah. you can tell it was definitely inspired by sort of like vaudeville slapstick comedy. Yeah, yeah, you know, Very physical, yes. um, you know, and interactive. It's, it, yeah, it was really good. It was really well done. I still want to know how Laura was able to see what they were saying because, you know, when they decide they're going to ask her, Jerry's like, oh, Laura, you know, George was thinking and she just goes, I'll do it. Yeah. And they're just in shock. They can't believe that she believe figured out what they were saying, but. I guess that's the joke. Well, I guess we'll take a quick break because uh, we are going to talk about Laura and some other characters. Maybe we can hypothesize on that and uh, see yeah. what happened. Yeah. Anyway, this is The Lip Reader. We are back for 2020 and we are glad to be here. We'll take this very short break and we will talk about The Lip Reader's secondary characters. Hi. Hello. I'm Beth. I believe you're expecting me. Yes. 
Please come in. Medea opens the door wider, allowing Beth to walk into the house. She looks around cautiously outside before closing the door. You have a beautiful home. Medea smiles as she looks at her feet, her face growing slightly red. The two women then make their way upstairs and into the lounge room. The Descent, a three-part audio drama. This psychological thriller is centred around Medea, a young woman trying to run from her past and forge a better life for herself. But the past is never far behind. Part 1, Medea, coming to you this February. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This week we're doing the lip reader from Season 5 and uh, let's jump into what we're best known for, talking about the secondary characters. Let's start with uh, the main secondary character, from this episode, Laura the Lion's Woman. Laura the Lion's Woman, yes. She is played by Marley Matlin. Uh, she's actually uh, deaf in real life. She's lost much of her hearing at around 18 months old. Oh. Yes. Uh, she was nominated for a Best Actress Ox- Oscar and a Golden Globe in 1987 for the film Children of a Lesser God. Okay. Uh, she's also been nominated two years in a row for Best Act- Actress on uh, for Golden Globes for her work on TV series Reasonable Doubts. Uh, she's also appeared in TV shows such as Law & Order SVU and Picket Fences. Mm. So a very illustrious career. Yeah. Yeah, and she was nominated for an Oscar before she did this episode. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Good for her. Yeah. Um. So with Laura, you did mention it b- previously before the break. You're wondering why she was able to read the lips. I think she's able to... I think because there was a couple of periods where George and Jerry's mouths weren't fully covered when they were talking. Yeah. I'm guessing she probably, she's intelligent enough to pick up maybe some words and then she can just put them in like a jigsaw puzzle, put them together. Fill in and, the blanks. Yeah. And she's probably like, okay, I think this is what the gist of they're trying to say. She wants me to lip read her, you know, his Gwen. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I also think to add to that, uh, she, I mean, you know, lip reading is obviously a skill in and of itself, but I think when you can't hear people, you learn how to, you know, your other senses sort of compensate for the lack of. Uh, being able to hear, and I think you'd be more perceptive uh, to reading body language. Mm. So I think I think she would be able to see because there is a scene where it cuts back to her and she's wiping her mouth and she kind of looks up and she obviously obviously realizes that they're sort of up to something. Yeah, I think part of it is the body language, and I think she would even know that they're going to ask her something, even if she didn't specifically know. You know, I need you to read this person's lip at lips at this party. Mm. I think she just knows generally that they're going to ask something. Mm about lip reading maybe you know you know the specifics she may not know and she would have just said yep i'm cool to do that regardless of what it was but you know do do you know what i mean i think part of it's body language part of it is just knowing that they're going to ask something yeah and she's you know pretty easy going and cool and then part of it is uh you know being able to take a few words that she could have read Mm. when their mouths weren't covered and just combining all those things i think she's smart enough to figure that out yeah Yeah, just just figuring all of it out based on that yeah and i think as well that she's probably been asked several times to do it yeah so she's probably like oh they can ask me to lip read again but she doesn't seem uh put off by it put off by it probably because she likes jerry yeah maybe to help jerry out yeah and because george is a friend of jerry's probably just to just to help him out yeah i like how everyone as soon as they find out that Jerry's going out with a deaf woman. They all want uh, a piece of all, her. Don't yeah, they? they all want a yeah. piece of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially Newman. Yeah, two hours. So they need two hours. <laughs> Even Elaine and. Can I borrow her just for a couple of hours? <laughs> no. Then I have to give her out to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, like a she's like a commodity. <laughs> yeah. I like how it cuts back to Jerry's apartment and Kramer goes. So you're saying you're dating a deaf woman, and Jerry goes, "I'm not saying I'm dating a deaf woman. I am dating a deaf woman. She's deaf. Yeah, she's deaf. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not telling you she's deaf." 
She's deaf. She's deaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Kramer um, learned a bit of sign language from his deaf cousin. Yeah. So he was able to communicate with Laura. I realised that that was an unseen character we didn't even mention oh, back yeah, the deaf when we cousin. did uh, What's to Do With The Unseens. Yeah, Cosmo's cousin, yeah. <laughs> whoever it is. I think, how old was he, did he say? Eight. I think so, yeah. Eight or nine yeah. or ten or something so like that. So he was able to communicate with Laura. Yeah, Yeah. Really even cool. though uh, apparently uh, we didn't mention it in episode trivia, but a lot of the science uh, Kramer just made up. Yeah, it's oh, okay. Real, I think some of it is real, but yeah, some yeah, of sure. it is just sort of improvised or like a like a rudimentary version of whatever the real signs are. It probably would have been hard to figure out the actual sign language, yeah. especially with the the tight schedules and stuff as well. For you sure. can't. You'd have to teach Kramer for like a, a, several hours a day, but probably to do the signs. If I didn't know that, I would just assume that he's signing for real, and he learned it for the episode. Yeah, it's so well done that you yeah. think it's real. Yeah. I mean, he's such a good physical comedian. He's the he's the only one out of those four who could do it convincingly. Yeah, and not make it look comedic yeah 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 definitely yeah. Um, uh yeah, yeah so laura she is a lines woman she's working at the u.s open which is where jerry meets her a very good gig too i think so yeah very prestigious gig. gig yes i think she's been a lines woman for a little while mm. i think maybe before um being a lines woman she was involved in sports in mm. some way maybe not as an athlete but maybe in like sports management or oh, okay yeah. you know maybe on the business side of sports or maybe she worked for you know the u.s open or whatever the governing body for tennis is in, in America or, you know, even the world, maybe in like the admin or business side or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, maybe she wanted something a bit more, I guess, literally grounded. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, something something a bit more down to earth. Yeah. Um, you know, but still involved in the sports world. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't figure out or determine specifically what she, where she may have come from. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I don't know. I just... It's just something that came to mind that maybe she was involved in the sports world prior to being a Lions woman in a bit more of a, I guess, a high profile. Yeah. So she just kind of wanted to, she still wanted to do something, but not in the the field of like competing. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe she does that, Mm. but you know, then just for fun, because a lot of ball boys and ball girls do it uh, as a volunteer position. They don't actually get paid for it. So maybe she just does it because she just loves the sport and she just wants to stay connected on a more you know, uh, like a non-business way, you know, to mm. the actual sport itself. Um, you know, maybe she still works in the business side and she just does it, you know, every year she puts a hand up yeah. and, you know. And they give she, her the spot. Yeah. Because she's already proven yeah, herself. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I feel like she's always up for a challenge as well. Yeah. I think she probably had to prove herself a lot when she first trialed or did the trial, I think, mm. because her, her deafness probably affected or hearing impairment rather probably affected her chances. I reckon she probably tried really hard to get that gig several times. Yep. And then eventually I probably found, you know, she's physically fit. Yeah. She's got a good eye. And they say, I don't know, it's probably a bit cliche, but they say that when one of your senses is you know, isn't that strong? Your other senses are amplified. No, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. Like I was, I mentioned that before. You did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't think it's like uh, testable, but it's definitely anecdotally true. So she can probably see the ball. Yeah. And she's really, she's got a really, like you said, a really keen eye for detail and stuff. And then she can go in. That's probably how she can figure out what Jerry and George were saying too. Yeah. Literally like, she's extra perceptive. Even if we talked, we're like barely parted our lips and we talked like, like this, she could probably figure out what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, based on our tone and stuff. Why do you think she likes Jerry? Like. I mean, you know, Jerry's funny and he's an attractive guy, but what do you think it is about... Because you know how a lot of episodes, uh, you know, they show... You know, some it's easy to figure out why uh, the women that Jerry dates like him. You know, that it... You know, it shows them interacting. Probably, but I yeah, couldn't figure yeah. out what made her attracted to him. Probably because he gave her a chance because of her hearing impairment. Okay. Maybe a lot of guys are put off by, mm. you know, because when when she's deaf, you know, she can't, she tries talking, but it's, you know, it's not 
clear yep. um, as well. And I think it could probably, I don't know, maybe, it, I'm just speaking in general here, yep. it probably puts off a lot of people, like guys, maybe yeah. potential dates. Yeah. You know, maybe they're like, oh, i got to learn. They're very ignorant, I'd imagine. Yeah, most. I think so some people They probably think, oh, I've got to learn sign language for this chick. Yeah. You know, what a waste of time. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, whereas Jerry's giving her a chance, and I think she really appreciates yep. the fact that, you know, Jerry went to her rather than the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably that as well. I, like, I'm just, I'm just speaking generalities. No, I think, probably, I think that, maybe that the, could potentially be true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's probably that fact. That's probably my guess. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. What about you? Uh, yeah, I was going to say something similar in that uh, Jerry never... I mean, obviously, her being deaf and uh, being able to read lips is sort of the crux of the whole major storyline um, and a lot of the comedy in the episode, but Jerry never treats it as a novelty. No, it's absolutely just like, not. It's just like... I'm going out with her. She's great. Yeah. And she just happens to... It's just part of who she is. It's That's not, right. It's not all of who he she is. He didn't start dating her just because of the lip reading. No, 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 no. no, no. no. I um, think as well because with... Um, I mentioned this in the package because uh, Carol Leifer wrote that one too, I think. Mm. Carol seems to have like a really sensitive side to her writing. Yeah. I think that... Carol I think it's the female touch. I think the female touch, like we mentioned in the package. Yeah. Um, because Carol didn't want to portray Laura as just like a novelty. I think yeah. she wanted to make her like a grounded kind of character yeah. with like character, yep. you know, good character. And uh, yeah, Carol probably thought, I'm going to really like humanize Laura, yeah. not make her into like this novelty plaything. Yeah. I mean, I must yeah. admit, that is sometimes a bit of a detriment when, you know, if it's Tom or whoever's written an episode, if it's not a woman. Well, Tom directs them. I don't think Oh, uh, yeah. Them. Sorry. Yeah. But um, if it was, I think if it was like another writer, like a male writer, they probably yeah. would have made her out to be like this. Well, you know. She would have been the same, but she wouldn't have been as fully rounded. Some, no, some, yes. Some, yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes the, you know, like say man hands. Uh, I can't remember her name. I can't remember anything else about it, but I remember her man hands. Yeah, man hands. Whereas yeah. say Laura, it's like, you know, obviously her being deaf is the, the sort of main feature of her character in yeah. terms of writing, but you can remember other things about her. Absolutely. I reckon, yeah, the deafness doesn't really define her as the character. No. It is a part of her, but it's not the main reason. Yeah. I think if it went into, like, someone else's hands, it pro- they probably would have probably offended the deaf community. Probably. Or maybe the deaf community wouldn't have appreciated the yeah. it would have been a, It would have been a patronizing betrayal of them of just, like, we're more than deaf people. Like, we're still fully... We're still fun- realized, fully functioning members of society. We're fully we realised humans. Yeah. We just happen to have a, a hearing impairment. That's right. A- yeah. Impairment. That's it. Yeah. So you know? I think with Carol's very, you know, very yeah. sensitive writing, I think that kind of helped. Yeah. Around a character. For sure. So well done, Carol. If you listen to this podcast, indeed. Good work. Uh, do you have anything else about her? Um, well, it's funny how she's supposed to be this proficient lip reader, but she doesn't mm. always get it right. Yeah. She noticed how at the party she says instead of sleeping, sweeping. Mm. So I don't know what happened there. Um, what do you think happened with that? How say could, how could say you sleeping that to me just now. Sleeping. And say sweeping. Sweeping. Yeah, so you very different mouth movements. Yeah. So hard to... But say six. Six. Oh, with that one, though, six and six, yeah. when... No, no, I can, I can vouch for Laura for this one. When Jerry says it... He says it with... No, Laura's head's down. Yeah. So Laura doesn't actually see his mouth movements. So yep. he says something like, the car will come and get you, or we got like a private car or something. Yeah. But Laura's not looking at him directly. So when she looks back up, I, I, I noticed this on the on the second the second view. Mm. I was like, because I was like, how come she can't figure out six and six? Even George is like six and six. But yep. we don't understand in the context of that scene that Laura's head was down when he talked about the car. Yeah. And then when he says, how about six, as in, do you want the car to come get you at six? She looks up and then it looks like six and six. So she doesn't know what context Jerry's talking about. Yeah. She thinks that he's just being a sleaze. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yep. that kind of makes sense. But my point is, is that just say six now. Six. And say six. Six. 
see, if if I didn't hear you, your mm. mouth movements and your head movements are identical. Yeah. So that's what I mean. But like I said, Laura, in in the yep. sentence beforehand, she didn't know what the context of the of the but, conversation but was. If if six and sex had different physical mouth movements, yeah. and she still wasn't aware of the context, she could still be able to differentiate. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I think also because Jerry had that kind of sleazy look. I think yeah, it was deliberately like, written. He was about, like, "How about six? six? But he was had like sex that kind of good. yeah, that kind of sleazy yeah, yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, so that kind of didn't yeah. help either. Yeah, I really I thought that was really clever, right? Yeah, you know, because yeah. you think why would Laura act? You know, she's supposed to be this proficient lip reader. Yeah. but then you look and you're like, oh yeah, she had her head down, mm. and that last sentence. And then she looked up and Jerry said it. Yeah, and then she took it the wrong way. Ah, that that makes sense. Yeah. And and that worries George because in the next scene, George is like, "How the hell can she read someone from across the room it's when sweep, she can't even get to sleeping? Not sweeping, not sweeping, you, but uh, it, sweeping, not sleeping, but you it's, idiots." It's funny how they said that, you know, with the way that they said sweeping, it sounded like they were going to sleep together. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like code. Yeah, you know, it's like let's sweep together. You can stay back. Yeah, and sweep. people don't naturally talk like that. No, like, they don't. People don't. People don't say the specific thing they're going to do. Like. I can imagine a conversation where someone's like, "Oh, hey, you know, I'll uh, I'll stay after the party and help you clean up, not yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll sweep with you." Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's... when we talk about Gwen and Todd, we can probably decipher yeah. what they were trying to say. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I had about Laura. I really liked her character a lot. I did too. And I think like you made a good point saying that her hearing impairment wasn't the main thing that defined her. Yeah. I think it was her really well-rounded um, personality. Yep. Really helped. Yeah. I mean, her having a hearing impairment is the crux of the comedic aspect of the episode. Mm. But her as a person, as she's portrayed in the episode, it's just, yeah, it's it's a feature, but it's not the the main thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very good. Anyway, the driver, let's talk about him, huh? Yep. Uh, he's played by Christopher Daga. He's appeared in the films Dude, Where's My Car? and Bruce Almighty. Um, for those who like their Japanese reality TV series overdubbed with English, uh, he voiced the Japanese commentator Kenny as an English overdub for the reality TV series Most Extreme Elimination Challenge in the oh, 2000s. So okay. it was like... It was like, you know, Takeshi's Castle. Yeah. Yeah, but it was... I used to love Takeshi's Castle. Yeah, Takeshi's Castle. Castle. But what they did was they got Takeshi's Castle and they overdubbed it with... English uh, in like the 2000s and yeah he played one of the uh, the commentators he okay. voiced him yeah yeah right so there you go yeah, okay. one of big so it wasn't its own show they just renamed it and, yeah they got they got the footage it. from Takeshi's Castle and everything yep. but they overdubbed it in uh, English yeah what would you change the name from Takeshi's Castle that's a great name for a TV show I don't know yeah anyway I used yeah. to watch that show and think fuck the the know, Japanese they, like, they, they love they, they, their shows are weird aren't yeah, they yeah it's it's so torturous I know it's like you see so entertaining as well you see some of the obstacle courses and you're like what it's impossible some of them were just fun like it reminded yeah. me of that old Australian show. It's a knockout. Yeah, you know, it was just like and wipeout something more. Yeah, recent. yeah, yeah. yeah. Wipeout, just yeah. you know, elaborate and fun. Yeah, still potentially dangerous, but not sort of torturous. No, no, no. Um, whereas, yeah, some of the stuff in Takeshi's Castle, some of the more extreme stuff. Yes. One I remember was it was a challenge for I think for men and women. They had to sit on ice cubes in like a cold environment, like up a mountain somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last person to pee, because, you know, when you're cold and you sit on... <laughs> pee? Yeah, so there was a portaloo right in front of them. Oh, my god! And they had to drink a bunch of water before the challenge started. So they, you know, were busting to go to the toilet. Oh, my goodness. And they were sitting on big ice cubes. <laughs> and they were sitting on top of a mountain, so it was cold. And they were just in their underwear. What? So everything was designed to make them want to pee, yeah. desperately pee. And there was a portaloo right in front of them, so the temptation was right there. And the last person to pee, there was six or eight of them or whatever lined up on this big ice block sitting on it. Mm. And the last person to pee won. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so, it, whoever could hold on to their pee when there was liters of water inside them and be freezing cold was the winner. Oh, my gosh. Which can probably severely damage your kidneys. Yeah, I was going to say, know? I don't think that could pass these days. No. A lot of oh and No. Health well, speaking of wipeout, my 
partners being on Wipeout. Oh, really? Uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah, there's footage on YouTube. Oh, on I'll, show, I'll show you after we oh, uh, yeah, finish show recording. Me, show, yeah, show yeah. Me, or maybe show me on one of the breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. Uh, because of liability and public, um, yeah, public liability insurance, every, so there's, you know, Wipeout's in, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 different countries. Yeah, that's right. But yep. every single country's Wipeout films in Buenos Aires. Yep. Uh, so, she, of, so she went to Argentina. Yeah, so ah. they they paid for her to fly over there. Cool. Uh, they put her up at a hotel for a week or maybe two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they gave her like a daily allowance for food and stuff. Um, wow. And, yeah, and she filmed, <laughs> she filmed for like a week. <laughs> That's awesome. But she was only on the show for like once they edited it down. It's like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah of course. And then um, she gets wiped out in the yeah, first obstacle. The, uh, she yeah she she didn't go too. She well. didn't go too. Well. No, <laughs> I could imagine she's got a great personality. She's yeah, very big. And they, they usually have big personalities on those. Yeah, shows, well, so, she yeah. auditioned for Big Brother the year before, oh, right. and she got to like the top, like you know, like the second last round or whatever, yeah, yeah, but sure, she didn't sure, get sure. to the final round. Oh, goodness. And to recruit for uh, other shows, to recruit for Wipeout, they look at Big Brother rejects and they look at their audition ah, tapes. Cool. Okay. And they called her up and they're like, oh, hey, you know, we're the producers of Wipeout. Do you want to come to Buenos Aires? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I reckon she would have suited that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, cool. But yeah, I'll show you after we finish All right, recording. yeah, we, we, for sure. Yeah, the, yeah, point, yeah. the point I'm making is that they, they, they shoot in Buenos Aires because the public liability insurance laws there uh, a lot more lax. Yeah, so they can yeah, get yeah. away with having these, you know, potentially dangerous obstacle courses. But yeah. the only show that doesn't is the US. Yeah, you know, but which doesn't make sense to me because you know the US is known for being such a libelous mm. uh, country where yeah. everyone sues everyone for everything. Your dog barks at you and you can sue them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're here today Not to, to slander hear the American listeners between but yeah, yeah. you know Ivan Pugioni and Fido. versus versus, <laughs> versus Fido versus Farfel, <laughs> the people versus Farfel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway. Bit, of, bit of a uh, deviation there. Anyway, it's uh, been the new year, man. We haven't seen each other for a couple of weeks. That's so it. Got plenty to catch up. Bit on. to catch up. Anyway, the driver, uh, the limo driver. Yeah, he. Um, I think he's got, you know, he seems like he's got good intentions. I think he enjoys having chats with his yeah. passengers. He even talks. I, I'd imagine from what he says, Tom Hanks even talks to him. Yep. So, you know, he likes chatting and stuff. And Elaine, you know, probably did the wrong thing pretending to be deaf, you know. Definitely. We, definitely. Like, she could have just been. But then it wouldn't have been as funny, would it? Yeah. I drive a bit of Uber sometimes. You and, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me, I, was gonna, I was thinking of you, actually, when I, when I saw the driving. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, look, I just read the situation. What I'll do is if, if someone gets in, obviously ask, you know, how their day is going or what they're up to today. And if they just give me a one word answer and it's very obvious by their body language or their, you know, their head's buried in their computer or whatever, mm. that they don't want to talk, I won't. Um, but, you know, if a conversation, I ask one or two open questions and if they give me one word answers or, you know, make it very obvious they don't want to talk, I don't. Yeah. I think it's just reading the situation and judging. Yeah. Um, I would never want to force, because I've been in... I've been a passenger of Uber or cabs where I'm happy to have a chat, but then I've also just wanted to say hello and not talk. Mm-hmm. But the person driving hasn't read the situation very well. And they try and say, oh, how's the yeah, weather? Yeah, like know? it's yeah, not, yeah. you know, being subject to a chit chat for 10 minutes isn't the worst thing in the world. Like even if you don't want to talk, it's, you know, you just, you make conversation and be polite. That's fine. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think he's just not very good at reading a situation because Elaine's body language tells him that she doesn't want to talk, but he kind of just keeps pushing it. Yeah. So Elaine did the wrong thing, but I think he's maybe not the best at reading his passenger's body language and, and judging those things case by case. Yeah, sure. You know. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think well, it's good because he's got he's got like a high-paying job. He's a private driver. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good gig. You know, he's, I think not, so. he's not like a New York cabbie or, no. or anything. So, no. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good gig. Maybe he used to be... Um, when uh, when he when he uh, you know is sort of trying to push the chatting and Elaine's not into it, it reminds me in Die Hard um, when the opening scene, well, one of the opening scenes when um, 
John McLean comes from uh, New York to LA to meet his wife. Oh, and that young limo driver. Yeah, driver. Oh, what's his yeah, name? Yeah. Argyle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and he's up. And John McLean's awkward. You know, he doesn't. He's never sat in a limo, and he doesn't really know what to do. And he's he doesn't feel like he deserves to be in the back. And like you know, because he's large. from that blue collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just cop, like a no yeah. nonsense cop. New York cop. Yeah. And he's up the front with Argyle, and Argyle's like making chit chat with him, and and. You know, John's sort of giving him one-word answers and not yeah, really yeah. interested. Yeah. And uh, John goes, you know, you always this chatty Argyle? And Argyle goes, yeah, man, you know, I used to be a cabbie, you know, and they, the passengers would expect me to make a bit of chit-chat. So, I'm thinking, based on that, maybe uh, Elaine's driver came from, like, a cab background. Yeah, yeah, I you know, think so, And he's too. used to, like, just chatting to tourists and randoms and stuff. And maybe he's new in the private driving world and he doesn't understand that it's... Some people just want to be left alone. There's a different etiquette. A different you know, and well. maybe some passengers want to chat. Maybe some don't. That's um, right. You know, and he's still sort of... He's still in the, the cabbie mindset where, you know, you just talk to whoever because that's, yeah. that's sort of what... It's a bit more loose. Whereas Tom Hanks, he seems very chatty. Yeah. Because even even he says that Tom Hanks would be... Dis- would yeah, be upset I, I think with what even Tom done. Hanks himself would be disgusted would by what you've done. Yeah. 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 So he yeah. knows Tom Hanks. Obviously yeah, so maybe, maybe he's just moved from being cabbie into a private driver and he's still hasn't like sort of gotten the rhythm and the vibe right. You yeah, know, he's still he's still in the cabbie mindset. Yeah, because I I guess with some passengers they still this there's still that class system, I guess. Yeah, you know you don't some elite people don't speak to their drivers. No, because they see him as inferior. Well, a lot of private drivers also you know there's a window dividing mm. the 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 passenger section and the the driver section. Yeah, I mean that's for privacy as well. Mm. Um, yeah, but I mean Elaine's not you know she's not too snobby to have a chat. She just doesn't want to chat, which no. is fine. What does she say? The um the not the chariot the the horse and cart yeah horse yeah. and buggy what are they called the horse and cart the stable uh st- stagecoach yeah stagecoach yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe yeah yeah whatever they're called yeah you know, at the start she's like you know that's what I want because yeah. you know the driver's out there and I'm in here oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's right Rusty the horses at the front <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rusty <laughs> being fed um beefarino beefarino oh what's that smell Ooh, Rusty Rusty do you have anything else about the driver ah uh, no I I think you're right I think he's recently gone from like the cab. Mm. Occupation to the private driver. Yep. Uh, how do you think he reacted when Laura jumped in the car in that last? Oh, scene he looks there? dirty. He looks. He, he probably thinks that Laura's making it up. Yeah. How do you yeah. think that cab ride or that drive went? Uh, I think I think it's pretty easy to tell that Laura's deaf. deaf based yeah. on you know maybe the way she talks, um, and yeah. So I think initially he would have been put off because of what he went through with Elaine, you know, yeah. a couple of days prior. Mm. But I think after a bit more time, unless he kicked her out straight away. I think he realized, oh, wait, she actually is deaf. She's actually deaf. Because yeah. who would put on that voice, you know, to pretend yeah. to be deaf? I mean, I mean that's, that's, like, not that's even like another level that. of yeah. of lying. Yeah, exactly. You know, to, just to avoid a, you know, 10-minute chat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think I think it would have resolved pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, anyway, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about Gwen, Todd, and the ball boy. Uh, any other characters? No, that's it. All right, cool. We'll be right back. Hello, listening people. Hello. I'm Ryan. I'm Bartek. And we are from the Spit and Polish Presents podcast. Bartek, what kind of podcast? Podcast is that? We talk about film. Ryan. Films? Films. Films, Ryan? Films, Ryan. Films by me, Ryan Slowinski. <laughs> One film per episode in three different formats. Exactly right, Bartek. And we're the only podcast that happens to be spitting and being Polish while we do it. We discuss the movies that few dare to discuss. You can find us on all of the social medias. Except for Instagram ins- and MySpace. <laughs> except and for Instagram and the unused MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. We are on Minecraft, though. (laughs) We're not, but I think my brother is. (laughs) Basically, any platform in which you can find a podcast, Spit and Polish Presents, you'll find us. 
Our next character, Stephen, from The Lip Reader is Gwen. She's played by Canadian actress Linda Cash. She's appeared in the film's Best in Show, Man of the Year, and Cinderella Man. Don't see much of her, but, you know, she get, breaks up with George, or George breaks up with her, saying, it's not you, it's me. And then George gets angry, saying, I invented it's not you, it's me. Yeah. Yeah, he claims to be the owner of it. Uh, yeah, we don't know too much about her. I guess it's implied at the party that Gwen and Todd... Well, Todd is a mutual friend of Gwen and George's. Yeah, Todd and then, introduced them. And there is that situation as well. It's like when you break up with someone, what happens to the mutual friends? Well, I think it's it it's just whoever was friends with... First. Uh, that person first. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. But I think the, the difficult thing is when, um, you know, if you are with someone and you make friends whilst being a couple... Mm. Um, the only clear case is when, you know, if someone breaks up, if someone cheats on someone or whatever, you obviously take the side of the, the person who did the right thing. But if it's like a mutual respectful breakup, how mm. do you, I guess you can have separate friendships, but it's it's always awkward. It's always awkward. Yeah, but in this case, Gwen has obviously been friends with Todd before George. Yeah, that's right. So that that's not going to change. It makes sense. No. So, with Gwen and Todd, we did mention before that they said sweeping together, but it sounded like sleeping. Mm. What do you What do you make of that? Do you, well, they didn't know that Laura was a lip reader, so they didn't no. know that he, even George claims that he can read lips, even though he can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's always well, he him. just didn't want to admit that he was spying on That him. he was spying with, with, a, with a deaf person, yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that they were using codes if in the no. event if in the event that someone walked past and overheard them? No. I no? think it was genuine. Genuine, I mean, yeah. I think, I think their friendship is just a friendship. Yeah, okay. Um, uh. And um, I mean, there seems to be, it's it's the conversation is kind of flirty. There is yeah, like a flirtatious it is, aspect. It? It's not overly flirty, but there no. is like a mild flirtatious kind of energy to it. Well, it seems like they've known each other for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, I think yeah. they're just really comfortable with each other. Yeah. Um, no, I I didn't think that there was any sort of innuendo or code or anything. George just misread the whole thing. Well, yeah, Laura did. <laughs> oh, Laura did. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking before, because you know how I got you to say sleeping and sweeping. Yeah. Like, I'll do it now. I'll say sleeping and then sweeping. Yeah, because your, your mouth, mouth movements you, are very different. Yeah. When you say sleep, your mouth goes wide, yeah. the L. But when you say sweep, it kind of narrows yeah, when it's the it, W. It, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it sort yeah, of, yeah. like, puckers a bit. Sweep, yeah. I think why i think laura misread it maybe just because of the distance mm. and maybe because they were talking quickly and she had to like translate you know there was just a bit too much going on and yeah, she just missed a word yeah, yeah, i think yeah. if she was having a one-on-one conversation up close oh yeah she wouldn't have missed that mm, um, but just in the circumstance because she had to like translate and read them from afar and she had to do it like in real time too yeah exactly yeah, yeah, a bit tough. um yeah i think just all that the complexity of it made her misread a word mm. but it was just the most essential word in in the whole conversation yeah that's right sleeping and sweeping that changed everything exactly yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I don't really have anything else uh, about Gwen. Yeah. Todd. Um, no. No. I, I don't really have a lot. I mean, no. He they weren't in it for long. No. But all I can say is Todd. He was played by actor Jerry Sroker. Uh, he's known for the films Godspell, Dog Years, and Ants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. I mean, Todd is just the host of the party. She's friends with Gwen. Uh, he's right. friends with Gwen. Yeah. Um. You know, he seems to like George. Yeah. He seems impressed when George is like, you know, I'll even go to the other side of the room. Yeah. He's, so I, I can't love hear how when he's he goes, like, yes, yes. It's a weird compliment. He goes, you're so centered. <laughs> It's such a strange way to compliment He's someone. He's not centred. Yeah. <laughs> He's off and then balance. George goes, I've grown up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, yeah, anyway. such a, a weird sort of exchange. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, that's all I had. Uh, the only other character I wanted to talk about briefly was the ball boy. No, at the trial, yes. He's played by Dylan Taggarty. Didn't get any of his acting credits because yep. uh, I didn't think we'd talk about him. But yeah, he's uh, yeah he seems like a jock kind of kid. Yeah, probably it like seems like an ad- le- mid to late teens. I'd probably yeah, say, yeah, like seventeen, eighteen. Maybe, or something like yeah, that. yeah, maybe a bit younger. Yeah, a bit, um, a bit, yeah, a bit arrogant. arrogant, a yeah. bit ageist as bit, well. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it's yeah. so satisfying when Kramer's just doing his crazy moves, and I love how Kramer 
like th- puts the ball in puts front of him just to rub it in. And this guy's like tired on the on the chair. He's like, oh. did you notice the motion blur when Kramer was? Yeah, they was sped up the moves. They sped up the moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah just I don't know why they did that. It's yeah, a it's weird like production blur. choice. Yeah, I know. It was a bit, um, it was a bit jarring. Yeah, I mean Kramer doing like wacky ball. You know, he sort of like almost does like a flip. You know that that makes sense, but I don't know why they needed to speed it up. I don't know. They could have just left it normal, and it would have been just as, you know, anyway. just as made the point just as clear. A weird production choice. Yeah, but yeah, no, he was a little dweeb, and it was good to see him. Little dweeb, perfect description. He was. It he, was good to see for him to get, you know, to get owned. By well, to get shown up. Yeah, get shown up by an old it, man. Exactly, an old man. An older man. Older. Uh, I may be old, but I'm spry. But I'm spry. <laughs> and yeah. I like how he, he he has the tennis ball in his hand like it's an apple. Yeah. And I thought it was like an apple for an orange. Or yeah. Like, he's got a piece of fruit on him. Yep. You know, Kramer loves his fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I'm I always a fan of obnoxious jerks being put in their place. Yeah. yeah. And this was very satisfying. It especially was. Especially by yeah. someone like Kramer, who would normally be overconfident in his abilities and screw up majorly. Yeah. He yeah. can actually follow through. Yeah. You know, like when he, I don't know, the the first thing that comes to mind is the trip when he goes to LA. You know, he wants to be an actor, but he's terrible. Mm. You know, and he, he goes to auditions and he probably thinks he's awesome, but he's he's awful. Yeah. In this, he can actually follow through. Yeah, that's right. Which is rare for him. And then unfortunately, Kramer's cruised it up with money. No, yeah. And then, <laughs> then he injures a recovering stab victim and then, in the first yeah, match back. That's right. And then and his career's over. Re traumatizes her. And then he's banned. I bet you he was banned from the Oh, episode. sure. He never, yeah. never could come back. No. He was done. Yeah. Flushing Meadows didn't want him anymore. Yeah. That they flushed it. him out. <laughs> his, yeah. his, his dreams of being a ball man were Dashed. That's right. Ball what, is, what does Jerry say? And so ends the ball man experiment. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it truly was an experiment. Yeah. Anyway, that is all the secondary characters from The Lip Reader, an episode that Stephen and I both enjoyed. So out of 112 episodes we have done, where does The Lip Reader sit for you? Uh, number 11. Oh, whoa. I really, high. really like this episode. Oh, wow. Can't fault it. Yeah. Uh, a cool. near perfect episode as far as I'm concerned. Fantastic. Yeah. A really understated episode too. Yeah. It's, it's one which isn't really considered like... God tier of Seinfeld. No, it's kind of like probably tier two, I guess. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of the quotes in the episode, other than the "It's not you, it's me" routine, there's not a lot of like quotable or memorable uh, scenes or or lines. You know, some like yeah. say like the soup Nazi. It's you know, no soup for you. There's like, all those catchphrases. Yeah, yeah I think the yeah, most famous. Not... I think the most famous scene in the lip read is probably when George eats the Sunday. Yeah, he's caught on camera. That's probably yep. the most famous. Uh, I would I would argue the it's not me it's your routine it's not you it's me yeah because yeah, that okay. that line has yeah. sort of become uh you know known outside of Seinfeld yeah just as like a funny line to quote Definitely. for anyone okay um but yeah there's there's nothing like other than that quote there's nothing in the episode that really makes it a memorable episode to just your casual fan I guess yeah sure um but in terms of quality character writing the jokes the way the two stories line up at the end. And it doesn't seem sometimes when uh, you know when they mash two or more storylines together, it can seem a bit forced, mm. um, just for the sake of doing it. But this seemed very natural. You know, the the driver pulls up, she gets in the car, and it sort of just ends. Uh, yeah, no, really, really good episode. Loved it. Ah, oh, very good, man. How about you? I, I liked it a lot too. Uh, number forty. Okay. So yeah, so very good season five episode, and yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really I like Carol's episodes that she writes. I yeah. think they add like a nice. It's good to have yeah, like you said, the feminine touch to it. Yeah. And she, I like how she added a lot of sensitivity to Laura's role. I mean, if it went to like another writer, or maybe if it was like a season eight or nine episode, and more like a young up and coming writer wrote mm. this, I think yep. it probably would have fallen flat. I think the deaf community probably would have. Yeah. Wouldn't have liked the portrayal of her. No. Um, but the fact that, you know, she's Carol's very well grounded and, uh, yeah, she was able to develop the characters really well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that really really showed. And Marie uh, did a great – Marley did rather did a great performance. Indeed. Yeah. I liked also just the fact – I'm always a fan of when they just have scenes in new situations where, you know, they've never been before, like at the US Open. Like yeah. Like them being – you know, even though it's just a set – 
but them being in the grandstands and watching. Mm. It's not something normally they're either at Monks or Jerry's or, you know, the comedy club or, yeah. you know, in, in, and even when they're not in those familiar settings, mm. it's normally, you know, like on the subway or at a restaurant, yeah. which are kind of like local, low key kind of settings. So yeah, them being yeah. in like a big public event yeah. and for the, a lot of the episode to be based around there. I just enjoyed that aspect. As yeah, well. it, it was just, good. It just yeah, made it a yeah. bit different, yeah. but it wasn't like, it didn't take focus away from the episode. It just added like a nice little extra thing yeah. to it. It made, and plus because the US Open's obviously a real grand slam, yeah. it added to the authenticity of yeah, the Yeah, it US made it too. a bit more realistic. Yeah, which yeah, is good. Sure. Really well done. Yeah, no, I, I can't fault this episode. Good really, work, really man. great episode. Wow. Well done, number 11. Yes. Very good. I don't have my top 10, but we'll put a link in the show notes uh, of top 10 episodes and characters. Speaking of, do any of the secondaries from this episode appear in your top 20? Yes, Laura, oh, number nice. 19. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say number nine. Wow. Yeah, she just edges in. Really enjoyed her character. Uh, she knocks out uh, Nick, the cable guy from the Cadillac. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He's been in there for a long time. Yeah. Um, I guess my top 10 uh, secondary... Actually, I think I did that in the last episode. If you go back to our previous episode, The Red Dot, I think I read my top 10. They'll be on the same link. Yeah, it's, it's all there. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah, just go back and listen to the red dot. Yep. Yeah, I won't say it again. Anyway, yeah, so Laura, number 19. Nice. So for me. Anyway, that was another episode of Bidwell Bask. Uh, my name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. You can catch me on my other podcast in Melbourne last week where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things. Uh, I speak to people who have overcome adversity and survival in Melbourne and elsewhere. So uh, you can find the links to the podcast in the show notes. Indeed. And if you want to join uh, my Seinfeld group and uh, I guess the unofficial community of Bidwabask, just type in Seinfeldisms in Facebook and uh, join the fun. That's it. There'll be a link in the show notes too. What are we doing next week? We're doing the Slicer from uh, season nine. Another good episode. Kruger and his family. So yeah. it's the first time that George meets Kruger. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll do a deep dive into Kruger because I don't think we've really... I think we've been saving him for like a more prominent episode. I think this is probably the episode he's most prominent in. I think the so. Slicer. So I think we should yeah. really deep dive into Kruger. Yeah. And hopefully they, Kruger will make our top 20. Yeah. he's mm. our, he, They talk about his family and stuff too. A lot of people. Photo. A lot of. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And George is in the background. Yeah. A lot of people say, why isn't Kruger in your top 20? You know, people have been messaging us because Kruger's so good. And I'm like, well, we haven't really analyzed him, but I think uh, next week will be the time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, my name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. We'll see you next week for The Slicer. And it's good to be back in 2020 for some more Bidmore Basque episodes. You take care now. See ya. Thank you.